I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to episode 11. Who would have thought, Stephen? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? The Autocar Podcast, My Week in Cars, featuring me, Matt Bryant, and him, Stephen Cropley. Hello, Steve. Hello, Matthew. How are you? Oh, very good, mate. Yeah, we find ourselves in the glorious Twickenham Studio podcast things. Um, I don't know how many locations we've been in over the past 10 It's got to be half a dozen. It's got to be half a dozen, isn't it? Yeah, which I quite enjoy. But we are in the official spot today, and over the next half hour or so, Steve and I are going to be expanding on our respective autocar columns. Yours is A Week in Cars. Mine is Tester's Notes. Which means we're going to be talking about, well, what the hell is happening at JLR, uh, the halfway house of plug-in hybrids, the autumn statement, Toyota Prius, and much more besides, including your correspondence. You can write to us at autocar at haymarket.com or find us on various social media channels to write to us. And we have a listener question from uh, Norway, because... Some, sometimes Switzerland, sometimes Norway. We are, you know, global reach, mate, I like to think. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So Sonder Haugen writes and says, Yesterday, news broke out regarding the looming Euro 7 emissions regulations, which seems that EU 7 will be implemented much earlier than anticipated. What does this mean to the future of the sports car? What's also interesting is that all vehicles, regardless of fuel, including EVs, seems included in EU 7. There will be a thing that regulates particular emissions, even from brakes and tyres. So, even if you swap out of the petrol engine to an EV, e, the regulations seem to throw a spanner in the works uh, of the future of all sports cars um, because of the tyre-slash-brake yeah. dust, I think is, is what Sonder means about that. Cannot help feeling slightly pessimistic about the future of the sports car. Um, it's from Norway. Now, I've just had a look, as, as you have, I think, about our... The, we ran a story about this two days ago, about yeah. the EU7 regulations what does it mean well i don't think it's as dire as suggested you, you know euro 6 is pretty punitive mm. euro just talking exhaust emissions for a minute co2 um, e7 is you know noticeably stiffer but not impossible to to meet mm-hmm. the the thing that scares people are the are these brake and tire emissions but mm. the way they're going to be measured is on a rig against the wltp cycle the thing we know is that the brake and tyre manufacturers are already well aware that their their particulates are going to be measured and they've been taking measures for a while now. Mm. Also, in the EV era, we're going to have much less friction braking, aren't we? Mm. So I think sports cars are, are, are probably the, the easiest case in a way because they're light. Yep. So there isn't so much um, particulate floating around in the atmosphere and and the braking is... Less severe, or usually less severe. Mm. So I, I, I know it's a, it's another hurdle, but I, I don't, I don't think we have to fly apart over it. Yeah, and in terms of uh, sports cars are also expensive, and this kit, it's a bigger catalyst, isn't it? That that needs twenty or thirty seconds to warm up before the the engine can start in cases. That's it. And yeah. the cost, I think somebody estimated a cost of per car of being possibly five hundred quid extra to meet 
EU7. So it's, it's adds to the cost of cars. But that isn't necessarily a hindrance for expensive cars, is it? The problem is, yet again, at the lower end, where you've got to put more kit on, on, on cars that are cheap and are suddenly not cheap anymore. Yeah, I, do, I mean, the one thing that it does do is to, is to reassure you if you've just, in, you've just invested in, a, in an existing car because your residual values are, are not going to fall yeah. away. Yeah, I do wonder about this. I have, I do. I mean, we we talked a few weeks ago about the average age of the car increasing slightly. I wonder if it will just extend even further. Yeah. And, yeah. and and borrowing money all of a sudden is not as free as it used to be. No. So I do. Yeah. I no, there's going to be a crossover car. where the where the the thing turns into wreckage and keeping mm. it going is a problem. But mm. I I do. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it'll you know could easily see. Um, you know, eight ten years, no problem. Yeah. But, but maybe the thing to be doing is to is to buy a pre Euro Seven and you know healthy one and yeah. and or a couple of them. A and couple keep, of them. keep it for longer. Keep it's difficult, going. isn't it? Because it's something it's something else to go wrong. It's something else expensive. It's something else that adds weight. It's something else that you know adds it adds cost. It adds weight. It adds complexity and all of yeah. those things that you don't necessarily want in a car. And I I don't know. I don't know. And it's been brought forward by two years. Yes. is that right? No, yeah. that's presumably. The automotive industry does not have very much sway with legislators anymore. It certainly because seems at some, so, because at it? times it has proven it can't be trusted. Yeah, well, in, indeed, it does seem that they the, that the, uh, the the traction of 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 the industry is 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 very small. But yeah. the thing that concerns me is who in you know in the the upper echelons of government has has taken a look at what the shape of 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 you know transport requirements mm. are in the future because if if we can't afford these new cars and and the existing older ones are wearing out you know that are we going to disenfranchise half the population well i worry about that i do yeah i do worry about that is there when it comes to cock up or conspiracy i'm usually at the incompetence end of the scale but it does feel that life could get harder for the motorist yeah and there is not an alternative i live Five miles from a large town in Oxfordshire, there is no bus. No, there is no bus. There yeah. was one a day when I moved in seven years ago, which obviously wasn't good enough for the population. So at Oxfordshire County Council said, well, the subsidies don't work. So what we'll do is we'll have one bus a week. Well, if one bus a day doesn't work, <laughs> one bus a week surely isn't going to work. No, yeah, I'll wait till Wednesday afternoon before I need to go. It's it, just bonkers. It, it was doomed to fail. Yeah, we'll trial period for three months. Well, unsurprisingly... One bus a week's no use to anybody. Yeah, of course. But if not. there were ten buses a day, well, then I would take the bus. Yeah, you know, reasonably often. But yeah. there isn't. But and I wonder if there's, I don't know. I just fear if there there are many people, particularly on lower incomes, who depend on the car and they will not be able to have it, and there will may not be an alternative. And I don't know what we do. No, it is. It. I just think that that business of considering the shape of society before mm. you. Before you just sort of blunder in and pass laws is yeah. is um is is a thing we could do. Yeah, and I also wonder. A lot of lawmakers spend most of their lives in in and around London, where twenty percent of journeys are by car. Yep. And actually, in the sticks, eighty percent. Well, not even in the sticks outside Greater London, eighty percent of journeys are by car. Yeah, and, uh, and I don't yeah. know whether they realise. No. What life is like elsewhere. And, I don't know. and not everybody can bicycle, and sometimes it rains no. and all the rest. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it rains, sometimes you've got a ladder and a, you know, or a big bag or whatever or a you've dog. got. Or a dog, <laughs> yeah. And a, and a child. You know, <laughs> well, just anyway. Thanks for your email, uh, Sonda. It's, um, 
Yes, given us plenty to think about. But there is a story on the Autocar website which has all of the details about um, Euro 7. If you search basically Autocar Euro 7, um, that shows up uh, pretty quickly um, in Google. So anyway, Steve, on to your column. We've started the pod, we've spent five minutes, we haven't started yet. (laughs) Uh, Let's do things slightly out of order and start with uh, the biggest news of the week from the UK, I would say, which is what's happening at Jaguar Land Rover. Yeah, well, a departure of Thierry Bolloré, mm. allegedly for personal reasons. Um, <clears throat> the people who've reported on it, not just us, seem to suggest that it wasn't just a matter of him deciding he didn't want the job anymore. Right. There's been, uh, you know, he's departed quickly. The guy who's taken over is is the chief finance man who isn't known as either a car guy or a, or a sort of front-rank businessman. Very good finance man, been there mm. a long time. Good bloke, they say, mm-hmm. but not not the guy to develop the the company. So it would yeah. seem that Bolloré has has moved out, um, not entirely at his own uh, behest, mm. and that seems to mean that the Tata owners are not happy with what's happened. <clears throat> the we don't know, and so nobody's going to explain to us in words of one syllable. But mm. the the story seems to be that. Um, the quality improvements that he was uh, aiming to bring about haven't happened fast enough. I believe there have been some. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the, the, the money that they have to put into the, the rest of the company and to, you know, bring about this extraordinary change that's coming to Jaguar and so on mm. isn't as forthcoming as it might be. <clears throat> and it would seem that the guys at the top have become um, impatient. Now, the other thing that I personally <laughs> hold against all people in this sort of position is that they need to be leaders. They need to stand up. They need to be seen. They need to be heard. They need to seem confident. And Bolloré always ran things from behind the door. Mm-hmm. He had a staff that deliberately paid a dead, played the dead bat, I feel. People like us are not necessarily the most important in the world, but we are in touch with the buyer. Mm-hmm. And if... If you're trying to sell Jaguars in the brave new tomorrow and you hide from the people who are in touch with the buyers, surely that's a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I <clears throat> I am hoping that whoever they hire, and it took six months to hire Bollere, by the way, will well, be, yeah, okay. you know, will will be somebody with chutzpah, you know, uh, a, a, not exactly Elon Musk, but somebody with uh, goes on the front foot. Yeah. And so Bollere came in. And we knew that Ralph Spieth was standing now, didn't we, at that point? So they had some time to to replace him before that was the... Yeah, he retired. The he, so he, he just retired, retired, reached yeah. retirement age and, yeah. he, and he... Well, I think he operated a little bit beyond retirement age, but he mm. but he was motivated by the fact that it was retirement time. Yeah, yeah. So Whereas now, they, if the, I mean, if a six-month process begins now, that's a problem, isn't it? That's a long, yeah. that's a long process. And I was talking to, to just by chance, with a, by another industry leader, and he was talking about what it takes to attract somebody like him to a job like this. And mm. he said, he told me that it would take a year to 18 months for him to be clear of the yeah. commitments that he'd the made to the company there. he runs already. Yeah. Because people like that are not sitting around doing nothing, presumably. No. The, the, the caliber that you would want to run a company of that size. Yeah, no, it's oh, a no. big problem. I think it's a big problem. Yeah, you know, bring back Ralph. Except <laughs> the problem with that is that the, almost everything Ralph wanted to do, which was to 
compete with BMW at the lower end mm -hmm. has been unpicked. Mm. And but there's a lot to do. There's so much to do, isn't there? Yeah. There's so much to do. I mean, Land Rover feels a more established, stable range to an extent, but there's a lot to do even there, yeah. isn't there, really? It's but the a, thing that you that comes to you is that, you know, if you're if you are completely dispassionate, you know, you you know, sitting on top of all this, and you've got to remember that JLR provides seventy percent of the revenue of the entire Tata organization. Wow. That includes the Indian operations. Crikey. Just automotive, or yeah, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, yes, I'm, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. yeah, Tata Group's bigger, isn't it? Of course it is. Yes, because I think they're on my uh, the, the, my Tetley tea bags come with a Tata it. stamp. And it says, do. and it says, please be sorry. There's a, a smaller side. It says, be be considerate of the environment and take care of how much water you boil. And I think. You do own a four by four company. You yeah. do know that, don't you? You do know that. I'm oh, not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure an extra, you know, fifty yeah, yeah. mil of water in my kettle is going to make a huge amount of difference to this. But anyway. <laughs> no. But anyway. But um, I think if you're if if you're um, sitting on top of all this, mm. you part of you would think if we didn't have Jaguar, we would have a lovely, um, successful. Oh, interesting. Um, car company that mm. that makes these globally admired and profitable. Mm. Um, uh, products and all you would then have to do would be to make them more reliable you know or convince yeah. the world that they were more reliable yeah. and um, perhaps that's a simpler job you know I wouldn't I'm the last man on the planet to want anything to happen to Jagu but yeah, same, you but could imagine people thinking like that if they were simply motivated by yeah, business and if they said well actually we can occupy different spaces if you didn't have Jagu that we were afraid to put a Land Rover into. Yeah. I mean, the I-Pace couldn't have a Land Rover badge, as it is, but there is not a reason a Land Rover couldn't do largely that yeah. job, is there? Yeah, so. absolutely true. It's got the credentials, hasn't it? The yeah. space, the 4x4, four four, yeah. the practicality, blah, yeah. blah. I mean, size, I'm not sure we've got time price. to get, get <laughs> through it all today, but, you know, what the hell do you do with Jaguar? What do you do with Jaguar? Yeah. What does it become? Ooh. It just seems that uh, I have always thought that that uh, it seems fine to move it up market mm. but to move it completely out of the realm of your existing buyer um, uh, constituency seems balmy to me i i i would th move it to the bottom to the top end of those people fine mm. but but to to sort of leave the lot behind and by the way start with a new design a new powertrain a new and different uh, platform that isn't mm. the same as the platforms that you're using for land rover Boy, that's a big task that is. And to, and by the way, sh the, the you know agree that you're going to show the first car in 2024 and deliver them in 25. Hmm. That is that is you know shifting the world on its axis yeah. to me. And Jaguar Land Rover is not a company the size of Volkswagen Group. It is a, no. a modest car company. No. And when you imagine how Volkswagen Group go about creating Cupra, yeah, I mean it doesn't it doesn't do that. It doesn't it doesn't. No try and reinvent its entire platform no. powertrain design strategy. But going back to leadership again, hmm. with all those questions hanging, somebody convincing is going to have to stand up on a little soapbox and yeah. say, here is our plan now. Yeah. And I think they should be doing it today hmm. or at least next week. Hmm. And I fear that what's going to happen is the, the old silence is going to, going to sort of fold in over us and we'll all be wondering for months. Yeah. Which is not very healthy. No. No. 
Well, that's part one. Uh, part two, let's move on to... There's quite a lot, there's quite a lot of significance this week, it feels to me, sure in this, in this you know, normally light-hearted, easy-going podcast. <laughs> so part two, the autumn statement of yesterday, as we speak, 17th of November. Tell us about it. Well, I've, it, it's, uh, I only care about the car bits, of course. You know, yeah. the, the rest of it will just sort of break over me and mm. I'll be broker and like everyone else. And, but, but the things that I would happen to be driving down the Fosway um, listening to Jeremy Hunt and he, you know, when he talked about the, the um, VED going on to electric cars and the disappearance of the, the um, uh, subsidy mm. on EVs. And I found myself thinking, oh dear, when I get to the office, there'll be a, a blizzard of emails from people who run EV companies and charging point companies and most of them, um, all ostensibly protesting about the, the terrible effects on the CO2 um, mm. output of, of cars, but actually just worried about their businesses. Legitimate to be worried about their businesses, but, mm. but um, you know, I, I, I wish they'd just put it like that rather than... Uh, all this altruism. Rather than frame it elsewhere. But, the, but it, it does seem to me that we knew that VED was coming. They are, you know, the, the VED on disappearing ice cars is going to have to be replaced. So the, what seems amazing to me is that they're, they're giving EV owners two years of grace and making it gradual after that. That's not too bad, I don't think. Hmm. Maybe I, um, you know... Well, we know it's we knew it's coming at some point, didn't yeah. we? Because the motorist raises nearly, what was it, thirty twenty eight to thirty billion something like that for the treasury, and when that disappears, it's got they're going to want it back. I and mean, we've been saying that yeah. for a long time, and it's not. I don't think that's a huge surprise yeah. to anybody that they're going to want it back at some point. And uh, I think the bung, yeah. which was already reduced for cars. To, to only apply to cars under thirty grand, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah. That. Yeah. <clears throat> that's. I think that's of little consequence now, mm. not least because most EVs cost more than thirty grand yeah. anyway. Yeah, and it feels like the momentum has gone. I mean, the the idea was of that incentive was to attract people to buying an EV, and it doesn't feel like they need the encouragement to me in a lot of places, does it? No, they're just concerned about the future, aren't they? Yeah. We, I mean, in our, do you remember our our, um, our recent gathering of subscribers in you know when we all talked to them that. There were two or three people who said, don't talk to me about EVs, they're all rubbish, I'm a petrol head forever. Mm. And there were more likely five times as many of those people who said, tell me about the Kia EV6, I want to know very yeah. passionately whether it applies to, whether it's the appropriate car for me. Yeah. So I think concerns about EVs are front and centre mm. and, and that will sell cars. Yeah, yeah. Good, all right, well we are going to take a very short advertising break because uh, we're concerned about our bottom line you know, that's, that's the way it is but we'll be back very shortly with uh i think sort of lighter some some slightly lighter hearted topics in the second half so we'll be right back i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
So welcome back to My Week in Cars, and you can write to us at autocar at haymarket.com. And Malcolm Jennings has done exactly this. So Steve uh, said Simon Saunders of Aerial Motor Company uh, the other week had designed the new Aerial factory to be carbon positive when we spoke the other week, which was to remove carbon from the atmosphere. Sorry to be pedantic, says Malcolm, but are you sure it is carbon, which is solid, or carbon dioxide, which is a gas? Two different things. Well, I mean, it is two different things, isn't it? But I think the common parlance is carbon neutral, carbon positive, carbon mm. negative. But we are talking about carbon dioxide. Aren't we are talking about... I but, think, yeah. I believe what he's up to is... is you know things like the grass roof and and yeah. uh, and you know making sure that that, that uh, the surroundings are you know absorb as, absorb as much carbon dioxide mm. as possible and and then just making sure that the processes that he uses are the, are the the actual manufacturing is carbon mm. neutral so mm. the the net effect of of the whole system will be that it absorbs carbon dioxide yeah which is cool. And if you have the space to do it, and they're trying to build a factory in Somerset at the moment, aren't they, Ariel? And if you've got the space to do it and you can have a green roof and you can have some trees and you can have some uh, some green power on site, some solar panels and wind, then terrific. You it's can great. set up yeah. a factory. And quite often in in planning regulations, you have to prove that you can do at least do that anyway, anyway, don't you? So, but I think yeah. what what's admirable about, admirable about him is that, you know, lots of people with little car businesses like that just struggle to keep the lights on don't mm. they and and he's got as typically he's got a plan yeah yeah which is terrific mm. love that company uh thank you for your note malcolm and uh don't yes don't forget you can email us autocar at haymarket.com find us on all the social channels uh twitter instagram not tiktok yet facebook and so on. Uh, you can find me and Steve on most of those, and Autocar on nearly all of them. So uh, let's move on to the next item in your column, and actually is mine as well, sort of tangentially. Sort plugins, because um, you've had a bit of experience of plug-in hybrids this week, Steve. Yeah, two this week. I was um, I was uh, bolted into a, a BMW 330e M Sport X Drive Touring Tourer. Sorry. <laughs> Which, me, which, which is a plug-in three-series wagon, is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> Four-wheel four drive. Oh, four-wheel, of course. <clears throat> you know, yeah. permanent four-wheel drive. Yeah. Good car, mm. good car. A little bit more rock roll. I, I failed to bung this in the story, actually, that's probably going to come out about the time of this podcast. There's there's a bit more roll rock than, a, you know, a bit more influence of of um, anti-roll bars than I... I just noticed this on my last drive in this car. Mm. But good car, you know, yeah. sort of very... Very capable and yeah. lovely steering. I mean, yeah, I drove the. Uh, well, I saw you the other week, and we recorded a podcast together, didn't we, in the West Country, where I was driving some BMWs that day. Ah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. and I took out after our chat. I took out a 340i Touring, which is a pure ice touring car. And you, you just get in and drive it down the road, and it has that sort of. I've been driving SUVs most of the day, and it has that, or an MPV actually, in the two series case. And you just sit in it, and you sit low, and it's yeah. just wraps around you, and you have that sort of comfortable slipper hello That's old it. friend kind of and the, demeanor the, about it yeah, yeah the the lovely steering and your mm. bum on the floor and yeah it it, it is it does it just does what you want doesn't it yeah you just come back and think you know they say what do you think and you go yeah well, it's, it's the best car in the world i love it <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. yeah anyway sorry i'm just i'm uh, interrupting your no well, plug-in, uh, plug-in-ness. no plug-in, well, yeah. we're, we've got three things haven't we because mm. my, my 1.2 liter <clears throat> astra long-termer which i've sort of gone on about altogether too much on these podcasts because I like it so much. Yeah. Has been taken away. It's gone. Replaced by a a one point eight 
PHEV, which is Astra again, yeah. which is quicker and, and more ornate. And I'm still figuring out all the electronic, you know, infotainment stuff, but I'll get there in the end, probably the yeah. other side of the weekend. Um, but uh, uh, the, the thing that I liked was was your comment this week about the about the Prius and the... Well, yes, if we're talking plugins, uh, my column for next week. Yeah, here's the, here's the Prius, which was announced this week at the same time as Toyota said, by the way, we're not getting it in the UK. And I felt disappointment. And, I'd, and if you'd have said to me, no, I don't know, I, if you'd have said to me, when did that car come out? 25 years ago when the Prius first came out as the first mass production hybrid car. And it all felt slightly strange at that point. And uh, almost, I don't want to say it was an anti-car because it was doing the things that we all love about cars. It was personal mobility and freedom and using less fuel. So perfect. But there was something of the non-enthusiast about yeah. it. And I'm reminded of a of a quote that you, I just always used to see where particularly wealthy, famous, a lot of actors used to say it. I drive a Prius. Oh, I drive a Prius. As some kind of humble, oh, you, you yeah. don't realise how, how thoughtful I am. I've got a low-volume shower heads at home and we re recycle everything and we don't eat much meat. We have a lot of oat milk and blah, blah, blah. blah. And I drove a Prius and you just think, oh, shut up, just <laughs> shut up. But now, 25 years later, 20, you know, uh, the Prius is not coming to the UK and I feel really disappointed about it. Well, especially because, as, as your column points out, it, it is... Really good-looking car, though. Great-looking car. Seriously good-looking car. It's low. And the problem is that 550-odd people bought a Prius in the UK last year and 18,000 bought a CHR crossover. Yeah. I was shocked by that. I was I... really surprised by that. By, by, by Not necessarily by the CHR's success, because I quite like it, but, yeah. but how few people now buy a Prius. I was yeah. astonished that it was that few. Me too. Yeah, really. And it's going to be a plug-in only, isn't it, the next one, yeah. rather than a series what Toyota controversially calls the self-charging yeah. hybrid. And uh, I think, yes, I think the problem is if you are a private car driver and you want a Toyota hybrid and there's no reason you wouldn't because they're very reliable and I mean, very efficient, wrong, yeah. you buy a Corolla wagon. And if you... Same powertrain. Same powertrain. And, yeah, and, and if you are a, if, if you have a, a personal car, you buy a crossover because that's more stylish. Yeah. Air quotes, more stylish. So the Prius gets somewhere lost in the middle, which I actually now think is a is a shame. Yeah, isn't it funny? Yeah, yeah that, that 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 was such a dominant name, wasn't it, Prius mm. for a while? Yeah, more more so I think than Toyota. And I and I wonder if I've heard a stat about this where where awareness of the name Prius was higher than the name, not necessarily the name Toyota, surely. But something like something pretty like that. High. pretty yeah, high, pretty high, yeah, really high. Yeah, I might be thinking of some other manufacturer where the name of the but it happens, doesn't it? Do you remember Ford went on about how the, the you know S Max was a better name than Ford? Yeah, yeah, because of because of sporty SUV and it yeah. was, yeah, yeah. So I think yes. So it's a, it's I don't know pity. I think a pity. There's a lot of decent looking Toyota. There's another decent looking Toyota launch this week as well. They seem to be on a bit of a design roll actually. Well, we lower stuff. we um. We we all given the given the breadth of of their cars and the and the sophistication of them and the reliability and all the rest of it, mm. we you know I often feel that we don't quite celebrate them as much as we as we should. We say the cars are good, but we don't mm. sort of stand in awe of 
Toyota in the way we used to, you know, in the in the in the great days of Ford. Ford could do no, no wrong. It's funny that, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. We did give uh, Akio Toyota the. Yeah, the Isagonis Isagonis Award, yeah. and yeah, he was really right. touched by that. Was did you did you go and see him in Japan? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. and he, he we made this video outside the headquarters, and he and he drove into the into the shot in a mini, his own that's mini. Right. Yeah, that's right. Because he'd had a mini in London when he worked here, mm. and uh, oh, he was a he was a remarkable bloke, and you can see why. Ah, there you go, back to leadership. Mm. Akio Toyota, he's he, he embodies the image of the company. I just that's what I need from yeah. my from my motor companies. I've seen a picture, and the caption on the picture is uh, that when Akio Toyota cannot make a particular appearance because he's busy doing something else, but he feels he should be there, there's a kind of cartoon mascot figure of him in a race suit which arrives <laughs> and does and basically stands in for, for Akio while he oh, can't yeah. be there. And I don't know how often that comes out or how often that's used, but I've seen a picture of it and going, yeah, Mr. Toyota, could, Toyota-san couldn't be here, but anyway, yes, here's the, here's the standing for him. Yeah, Jaguar Land Rover could do with... I wonder if he'd uh, come over if they if I picked up the phone. And yeah, said, I wonder if he wonder if he sort of <laughs> send a few quid and buy the company. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, right. Next thing, and probably the final thing we've got time for today is, uh, well, blimey, yeah. I like you, mate. I'm a bit overwhelmed by everything this week. You spent some time at the Classic Car Hub. Yeah. Well, the, the, this is just happens to be the 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 local um, Classic Car Emporium. It's down the road from me. Mm based in hangars on the former RAF Bybury um, airfield. There's not much okay. airfield left because mm. they've ploughed it up and made it into crops, but the, the hangars are still there, and the, the cars are completely out of my price range. I mean, I went there to look at a Brescia Bugatti, for God's sake. Oh, uh, really? And, uh, they sell, sell cars there, do they? And... Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, and service them, but mainly sell them. Right. But they've got a, a very inviting shop where you can buy bits and, you know, trinkets for your for your for the car nut in your family and there's mm. a coffee shop and but they're but well, they're just nice welcoming people that that um that smile at you and don't clock don't sort of overtly clock the fact that you couldn't possibly afford any of this <laughs> it's very discreet of them to say yeah. but but my point is you know if you're feeling a bit cheesed off mm. it's it's just a it, i don't know it's a great place to just press a reset button just yeah. by walking around yeah and i find that with Classic cars. I also find it, you know, shameless commercial here, but I. But this is genuine. I, when when the latest copy of Classic and Sports Car arrives, our sister organ, mm. I start turning the pages, and it just makes me feel better. Yeah, weird, isn't it? Yeah, I, but I know what you mean, and I think, well, partly the amount of motoring-related uh, bad news that you sometimes get. And, you, and I sometimes get a bit, you know, overwhelmed, thinking, oh, crikey. As we were talking about Euro 7, you think, Christ, this is going to make small cars more expensive, more less attainable, yeah. more feasible. What do we, you know, what is the future of us as it is? And then I remember that actually there's still, I've still got two great classic cars in the garage. They're not going anywhere. They'll be fine. And you know, I can enjoy it. There is a lot of motoring to enjoy. Yeah. Across the spectrum, isn't yeah. there? That it's not, I think that that's it's not the, just all new cars. That's a, a really important uh, thing for us all to bear in mind. You know, the, yeah. the 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 collection of interesting cars. Just because the laws changing and electrification's coming and mm. and so on, it, in brackets not a bad thing. Yeah. But the fact that it's coming does not mean that the, we're going to the the number of of you know cars we can choose from from the previous era mm. is going to go away. I, no. I think they're going to be a, a an almighty choice. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, and it is. You know, it's worth remembering 
shameless plug again alert, which was not my intention. But you know, Autocar covers all of this stuff, doesn't it? You know, we are there for the old stuff, the new stuff, the interesting stuff, the restored stuff. And it is that time of year. I mean, as we approach the end of the pod, it is that time of year when you could take out a subscription for a loved one. And what better, <laughs> what better Christmas present than... Neatly got in. Well, that's what I thought I'd try to do. They do insist that somebody upstairs in a suit will say, you wouldn't mind just mentioning, yeah. just mentioning it's that time of year. But you? it isn't a bad idea. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I subscribe... Well, I think I mentioned before, hmm. I, I have a subscription to bike. Is it? No, is, so, yes, I was going to ask you about this because I didn't... I, I know there are... We're contractually obliged to pretend other publishers don't exist. <laughs> Which bike magazine do you get? It is, bike. it is bike. It's bike. Published by one of our rivals. Somebody, uh, yes. But they're a bunch of good blokes, and yeah. I love reading about motorbikes, and mm. and they do it well. Yeah, I was with. I might talk about this more next week. I've been recording a podcast this morning for Autocar Electric. Upper Electrogenic, which is the Oxfordshire-based restorers, they put electric motors into old cars. Mm. So they do Land Rovers, which makes a lot of sense, and they think that it probably pays back a farmer within three years uh, if they have an electric conversion, which this is, is a, pretty, a, a pretty good. What thing. A, a Defender, uh, sorry, yeah, old Defender. Yeah. Um, but they also do they do minis that uh, people use in town on those classic tours and things like that. And anyway, the bloke there absolutely believes in electric Where was this? Oxford? Yeah, they're in Kidlington, near Oxford. That yeah. sounds and good And they've got me. a little unit in uh, at Bista Heritage too. You'll see them at Bista Heritage quite yeah, a lot. Yeah. I must do. say I support the idea yeah. of, of an electric original Mini. I, you know, yeah, but it's a cool thing. Given yeah. the, the power characteristics of yeah. those cars, it'd be great, yeah, exactly. I think. Yeah. Did you and drive one? I've driven a... Well, they did a Porsche 356, which I have driven. And I, I don't know if I'd do it... Well, I mean, I wouldn't do it to a lot of to a lot of cars but I don't care if people do yeah. is, the, is the thing but anyway the point I was I think I was going to make is that Steve the guy who runs it also rides bikes a lot and it feels to me that that's the yeah there's yeah, there's a lot to crack on with isn't there yeah, I'm sorry I was going to make a more prescient point than that but I can't think what it is now. but anyway <laughs> that podcast will be I think that probably comes out at the same time as this podcast so if you search for Autocar Electric wherever you get your podcast you will find that too you can write to us at autocar at haymarket.com. Find us on all the social channels. Don't forget, we are at autocar.co.uk all the time. We're on YouTube, where there's an 800,000 subscriber strong uh, autocar channel with reviews pretty much every week. Uh, you can find autocar on digital subscription, as we've just said, and it is in shops every week, as it has been since 1895. And our columns, plus a lot of the features, you can only find in the magazine. They don't end up on the website. Damn right. So, yeah. Steve, thank you very much. Pleasure. Listener, thank you very much. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>